And some of you may be thinking about it. Again, this is not a recruiting presentation. This is actually just how to stay faithful in a very pluralistic and difficult environment. It's not unlike going to college or university. I mean, you're going to have, depending on where you go, you know, statistics show us that it's not after confirmation that we lose uh, many of our young people in the Lutheran Church, but it's actually ages 18 to 25 when they go off to college or the military or whatever their vocation is going to be. And so one of the Ministry of the Armed Forces' goals is to stay connected with you at this age group, this youth gathering, for, as you go out into different vocations of life. But our specific target audience, obviously, is military. So if you have people in the military, how many, I may ask that, how many of you have a brother, or sister, aunt, uncle, father, mother serving in the military now? So there we got a big more uh, majority. So thank you for your service as being a military family. It, it is a, a family affair. It really is a family affair. So anyway, I would like to start with uh, just some uh, different branches that we have. Let me ask, how many of you are joining the Navy? So I got about, okay. How about you going to the Army? Hua, is that the right word, Steve? Steve's a retired Army chaplain. How many of you are going to uh, the Marine Corps? Oorah. My last 10 years were with the Marines, so I kind of, they had kind of adopted me, so that's okay. And then uh, Air Force, Coast Guard, well, technically not national defense anymore, homeland security, but as we know, when we go to war, they're big partners. In fact, Navy chaplains serve the, serve the Coast Guard. So you should run into, hopefully, we have about, I think we have five now, Steve, right? Five of our Missouri Senate chaplains are serving with the Coast Guard. So there's a good chance that you run into one of our chaplains. So one of the biggest things that we do is part of my, my ministry and goal and objective is to also recruit pastors to serve in the military. And then I am recruiting. I'm not recruiting you all to enlist, but I am recruiting pastors here. We do need Missouri Senate chaplains to serve uh, our young men and women like yourselves who are serving our nation to provide word and sacrament ministry in this difficult pluralistic environment. So let's get on with what we have here and see what you think. Can a Christian serve in the military? How about a Lutheran Christian? Seems like, well, that's kind of a little more specific, but you'll see towards the end of my presentation why I add the word Lutheran, because even though we fall under the umbrella of Protestant in the military, so basically when the military started, we had the big three, right? You had Protestant, Roman Catholic, and Jewish. And now, of course, we have over 250 different denominations represented in the military with chaplains. So it is important to keep your identity as a Lutheran soldier, sailor, airman, marine, or coast guardsman because you have the right to require and, or request and get a Lutheran chaplain or a Lutheran pastor to provide word and sacrament ministry to you because the commander's goal is to provide free exercise of religion to all their troops. So that includes every faith group. So that includes Lutheran. Sometimes we're famous for being quietist, right? We'll, we'll kind of hold our nose and go to whatever service. We don't want to be skylined, as we say, or, or be... Uh, noticed by our drill instructor or we just want to do our job and we quietly do it. But in part of your free exercise of religion, it's important that you do let it be known to your chain of command and who you're serving that, hey, I'm a Lutheran, so I would like to have a Lutheran communion service once in a while. Or I would like to talk to a Lutheran chaplain. Is there a Lutheran chaplain in our area of responsibility, you know, whatever base? So if Chaplain Mueller, when I was serving with the Marines, if I have a battalion of Marines, which is about a thousand Marines, um, I'm not going to have a lot of Lutherans in there. Out of a thousand, probably have 20 that'll be Lutheran. 
and the rest are all their other denominations, other faith groups, or no faith at all. So if your battalion chaplain, if you're with the Marines, is a Muslim, a Baptist, priest, whatever it is, you go to your chaplain and say, hey, I would like to receive communion, or I want to talk to a Lutheran chaplain. They say, oh yeah, Chaplain Mueller, he's over at the next battalion, let's connect you. So it's all how it works, and that's what we really want out of this session, to really survive and thrive, is to keep connected with your church, with your faith. And you have the Constitution, you have your whole chain of command who is for that, to do whatever they can to help connect you to your faith group, whatever they can do to do that. And that's one of our jobs as Ministry to the Armed Forces. So hopefully this is a rhetorical question, but it's still something to look at. And one of the examples from Scripture is from Matthew chapter 8, the faith of a centurion. As, as you read Scripture, read Scripture, there is a lot of military stuff. And it's not just the Old Testament where you got David, right, the man of God, the war. In fact, there's so much blood on his hands that God wouldn't let him build the temple, right? He had to let Solomon do it. But we have here Jesus in interaction with a leader of Romans, a centurion. And this, as you know, the Romans were serious. They were uh, soldier, soldier. They were very professional. They were very disciplined. They were very effective as we found out even as you follow Jesus through the crucifixion right sometimes until we had the Mel Gibson movie sometimes it was always kind of powder puffed some of the torture and beatings that Jesus probably went through but the Romans knew what they were doing they knew how to torture you how to punish you within the inch of whatever they could do uh, before they killed you to make it very painful but here we have a man a centurion who has heard about Jesus he has a servant who is sick at home, suffering terribly, and he says to Jesus, um, come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. And we pause that before we get to the bold letters. Here is, again, a Roman centurion. He's a pretty powerful man that he says to Jesus that I am not worthy for you even to come into my house. But his faith said, just say the word and I know he'll be healed. And then he talks about his vocation as a soldier. I too am a man under authority. So he has a chain of command, even though he's a centurion, he has bosses. But I also have soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. To my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. So we don't want to unpack this for, for too much. My point here is to bring this up to show you that Jesus didn't say, quit the Roman army, quit your job. That's an illegal, immoral, unethical vocation, right? He doesn't deal with that at all. This is fact by Jesus' acknowledgement that here's a man who gets it. He understands who the two kingdoms are, right? We have Jesus and the kingdom of God, obviously. And then he, here's a Roman soldier who has his vocation as a Roman soldier. Jesus doesn't criticize him at all about that. So I think that's important for us to, to see. So he's responding to the, uh, the faith of the centurion, that he's... Also a man under authority. The chain of command is huge. And that's when, I, for those of you who are joining the military, part of the survive and thrive is that we get it. We understand that I am signing up 
Um, whether you're coming in as an enlisted, you know, an E1, E2, or if you've got some kind of bonus or some great deal that the recruiter worked out for you, or maybe your recruiter lied to you, where you find out, say, oh, I think he lied to me when I get there or she. Or for those of you going into the officer program, you're going to start at the bottom of the food chain, right? We get that. But that's not a bad thing either. It's a lot of uh, important things as we talk about uh, working with and being part of a disciplined, robust, powerful organization, the dynamic. Then we have the Luther's Two Kingdoms I briefly talked about, and again, we're not going to unpack all of that, but I want to get to this with uh, Romans 13, and Steve came up with this quote, uh, Chaplain Hokana, I think is very appropriate, because this is nothing new. Back in uh, the Reformation of 1526, Luther had soldiers who also were concerned about their moral lives, because frankly, back then, they didn't have all the rules of law that we have now, the rules of war. Uh, law of war. They didn't have a lot of lawyers. Usually the spoils belong to the victor, right? If you conquered somebody, you got what was left over. And that's sometimes how the soldiers would get paid or whatever. So there's a lot of immorality going on. So the soldiers were concerned about, okay, can I do this as a Christian? How am I going to be saved? We see some of this uh, pillaging and raping and, you know, this fighting and the conquering and, and, and all that goes with it. And here's a quote that uh, Steve pulled out. Is This is why God honors the sword so highly that he says that he himself has instituted it in Romans 13. And that's a great passage to pull out once and again about the role of government and how important it is that God still has a part for that. And does not want men to say or think that they have invented it or instituted it. For the hand that wields this sword and kills, it, kills with it is not man's hand, but God's. And we as Lutherans have always believed that. It's in our small catechism. It talks about, again, the vocation, the honorable, how you could take oaths and how important the government is, how God has instituted, obviously, family and then the state and all for good order and discipline for the uh, preaching and the sharing of the gospel. So here's some big three points that Steve pulled out of that. Serving the military is God-created and intended to punish evil. Serving in the military is intended by God to protect the good. Serving in the military is intended by God to preserve peace. So for those of you who raised your hand who have already signed on the dotted line and have your contract with the United States government, it's probably too late for you because you already took the uh, contract. So if you disappear now, you'll be in trouble, right? But for those who may be thinking about it or wondering about the role as I could have as a uh, soldier, sailor, uh, Marine, Coast Guardsman, or Airman, is that you can take five... Uh, Solace in the fact that we 100% believe what God is telling us in the scriptures about Romans 13. This is all about loving your neighbor and good order and discipline. That you are using the sword to punish evil, to protect your fellow citizens. It's no different than I think if you could pull it out is even with a police officer or first responder of some sort. They're all for what? To protect peace, to protect neighbor, property. And it's all instituted by God. And so I think it's important for us who serve in the military to not forget that. There are people still, and, and maybe some of you had it even friends that go to high school with you or, or college with you, some of you are in college already, that churches, it's not as bad as the 60s or 70s, but don't think you should be part of the military. It's kind of an evil or, you know, they're just, uh, it used to be the joke about meals on wheels. And now it's just like, well, you know, what are you fighting? What are you killing? And we aren't as bad as we treated the Vietnam veterans, thankfully. But there's still people that question, is this, can a Christian do this? Can you, in good conscience, take that oath that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, which means I may kill somebody, or I probably will kill somebody in today's war. And what does that mean to you as a Christian? How do you uh, thrive or 
you know, work with that. We have all kinds of things that talk about with moral injury and stuff, which is a whole other topic that Steve, I'm glad, will be glad to do someday. No, just kidding. Uh, but I want to make sure that's clear, that we understand the difference between what God has uh, given us as an institution and a servant as a vocation. And for those who begin, this is not a recruiting uh, uh, event, but I just want, it is a military culture. There's something different about it. I'm going to use an example here that's not on here. Uh, I have a friend of mine who started a, uh, a homeless uh, a feeding in the inner St. Louis. He's got a church down there. He used to serve in Minot, North Dakota by the Air Force Base. And so he, start, he took a call to an inner city congregation. And so he called me up and said, hey, we're trying to start a, a food, feed the veterans. You know, there are a lot of homeless veterans, as we know. So in St. Louis, he wanted me to come. They're going to open up their church, and they're going to do a feeding, uh, you know, open up some food and bring them there. He said, would you like to come? I said, sure, absolutely. So I came, and I said, watch this. So I brought my retired Navy hat. I came early and sat in a corner and soon as these guys came in, my whole table was full of veterans. Why? Because they saw Navy. And then we all started talking sea stories or war, no matter if they're Army or whatever, talking and teasing and joking. It just broke down a whole kinds of other walls where you can get to know people. And that's because of the culture. Regardless of how they served, how long they served, whether it was uh, uh, one year or 40 years, they have that culture, that bond that is with them, regardless of what service branch they're in. Each one has their unique one. Yeah, we love to tease each other. Uh, let's see, one of my Air Force guys here, but they call them Chair Force, or, you know, the Marines will say, we're the men's department of the Navy, or, you know, the Navy, all you do is take us to the war, and, you know, the Army, I know some good Army jokes, you have to say, you just talk slower, right? <laughs> so you can understand. And the Marines, they just bring out the crayons and the coloring books, right? <laughs> But then they start eating them. But that's all the kind of that's all the kind of stuff what we're talking about here. So whatever branch you're in, you have that big bond of you're in the military and you'll connect with each other. And then there's that even smaller bond of your service branch. And then there even gets to be that smaller group of your unit. And then even your smaller unit of your squad. And then to your battle buddy, you know, that one person that's got to watch you on your left or right, and your life depends on them doing their job. That's that kind of growing out of it, and they all have that. So we're not pitting one against another. We're just saying that this is an important environment. And so that does tie into then, now, how do you live as a Christian in that kind of environment? Are there things that you may have to compromise? What, how do you fit in with all that group? Because, again, people in the military, it's going to be the most diverse experience you've ever had. You're going to have people from all parts of our country that are going to be in your unit. All races, all religions, all social economic backgrounds, and you're going to gel into one. It's just a beautiful thing to see how that works and how you serve one another. And that kind of is the last bullet on there. Expect service to others above self. You know, unit, God, country, you've heard about that. But the great Lutheran question, what does this mean? Well, here's what you're doing. You're living with a lot of non-Christians or Christians of other faith groups. You know, when I joined the Navy, when I was a pastor in McCluskey, North Dakota, when I went through the seminary, but I'd never seen the ocean, never flew in an airplane. I grew up, my dad's a pastor, grew up in uh, South Dakota, pretty much sheltered life. And then when I show up in the Navy uh, for first Westpac deployment, whoa, were my eyes open to how the other side lives, right? Because you get sheltered, you really do. But to realize that you have to have your own 
identity and spiritual fitness is a word that I'm going to use. Some people don't always agree with that, but I think that's something the military understands. You're physically fit, you're emotionally fit, and you need to be spiritually fit for everything that you encounter in the military, from uh, whether it's uh, war, combat, or just every life uh, challenges. So one of the things that we could do, and Steve, I stole a lot of these from Steve and added a little bit of them, but the best that you could do is what you're called to be. If you join the military to be in the infantry, to be a doc, to be a crew chief, to be EOD, to be a Navy SEAL, to be a communications expert, whatever your recruiter got you to sign for. I mean, there'll be opportunities to change. That's another uh, career issue. But the bottom line is, is you're going to do the best you can because that's just the way you are as a Christian, right? You're, you're God-given abilities, knowledge, skills, and abilities, you're going to use them to the best that you can. And people will see that, whether they're Christians or non-Christians, and that's what they want from you. They don't want, to, um, you know, just anything. They would say, are you going to be a good soldier, airman, uh, marine, coast guardsman? Are you going to be the best? Can I trust you? Are you going to be able to do your job? And see, so we work at doing it better than anybody. And the reason we put this in there, again, it's, it's really by actions and not necessarily words, that people will see something different about you as you are a Christian joining the military. When you show up for boot camp that first day, and everybody, you know, you get your head shaved, you get you stand in the yellow footprints or whatever service branch you're in, your whole life changes. But what they can't take and what doesn't change is your spiritual fitness that you had as you were growing up through these, through your church, your baptism, through your confirmation, through your church back home who's praying for you, your pastors back home, all that your country who's with you. That is something that your identity in Christ will not change. They will give you dog tags. They will give you your name. Your social security, well, actually, I think they just do the last four now. Even your gas mask size on there because of uh, chemical warfare and your religion. And again, don't be shy. Tell them I am a Lutheran. They'll put it on your dog tags. So that way, if you ever need a chaplain, they're going to find a Lutheran chaplain. They'll usually put L-U-T-H, I think is still the, the, the acronym. But some people say, well, I don't want to, you know, put anything on there. But trust me, when you're unconscious, you're there um, bleeding, um, they're going to look at your dog tags and see what faith group you are and to see if there's a chaplain around. So it is important to not be a quietist when it comes to your faith and your, your spiritual uh, life. So know your job. Be professional. Be a hard worker. Be able to laugh at yourself because there will be people that will tease you. Oh, you're one of those uh, narrow-minded Jesus uh, freaks, uh, Bible beaters, you know, goody two-shoes. Uh, hey, we're going to go out and do this, but oh, don't invite him or her because we know they're a Christian. You know, they won't want to go to this place. But, uh, you know, so you stand strong with your thing. It's nothing different you do now in your own high schools, I'm sure, or your own inner core of friends that you share that, hey, Christians can have fun too, right? God has given us lots of abilities, and then no I in team, be a team player. So when you show up at boot camp and you are going to have a good experience and you're all going through the same thing, but you're helping your, your squadron mate or I could try to think what they call it in the Air Force, it's the wingman when they get there, but I don't know what they call them at boot camp. If it's just your battle buddy, what phrase they use, but you're already linked up to somebody. You can't even go to chapel without your wingman or your uh, shipmate or your um, I don't battle buddy. So you, actually, that's a good way of recruiting. So you take them to the Lutheran service, especially if your battle buddy doesn't have a faith, right? They'll be interested and curious. You could go to the Lutheran service or because you have to walk around base all together as a team, never alone. But here's what I really want to focus on. Selfless service 
service and honor, courage and commitment. I stole that from the, the Navy. But there's all the, the other, every service branch has their uh, values. Others before self, honor. Um, but it's all motivated by love. Now, some of you may say, well, I joined because I wanted the GI Bill or I wanted the medical benefits or I, I just wanted to get an education. I just wanted to serve my country, which is all true and good. I know that's what, why you signed up. But I think it really does come down to either love for God or love for your neighbor, which I, we believe revolves into love for your country because that's who your neighbor is, right? Lo others before self. But that's what you're really going to see when you start your journey as a military person is when they see that you have others before yourself. That selfishness does not go well in the military. You really are looking out for the person on your left and on your right. If someone's struggling on a run, somebody's struggling on a hike, somebody's struggling putting their gear together, you are the one that helps them do it. And that pays dividends to seeing that relationship develop where God will open doors for you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because they're going to wonder, well, why are you doing this, man? You don't even know me. Why do you even care? Why don't you just go take care of yourself? So there's all kinds of opportunities that God will use. So there's nothing new and shocking in this. It's just living with non-Christians. You may have uh, more there. Um, that's what we're going to look at here. And as thriving as a Christian, this is really critical. And I'm going to pause for some, some questions after a short video. But it can be lonely being in the military. And it is tough. I know some of you, how many of you are going this summer already to boot camp? You sign up a couple, how many of you are on the delayed program? You're just going to go when different things, opportunities arise when the military ships you off. But it's going to be an uh, emotionally challenging time, not just for you, but for your family, right? For your friends. Uh, and I think everybody uh, is probably supportive of it, but hey, you're going to go away for 12 weeks, 8 weeks to a hard, difficult thing, probably the most difficult thing you've done in your life. Uh, many of you probably played sports, so you've probably been to football camps, volleyball camps, or basketball camps, and they could be tough. But there ain't nothing like a boot camp. You're going to find out exactly uh, what it's like as they break you down together. Um, so you may feel alone, but you're not. you got your teammates. And there will be those who are also quietists, just like you, who aren't sure if they should let you know that they're also a Christian. You know, they're kind of feeling each other out, right? You're just trying to figure this all out. So don't, uh, nobody wants you to give up your faith. They'll test you, but you also realize that there are people there that you don't even realize who are Christians serving with you. So spiritual discipline and fitness. And again, I know pastor, chaplain, preaching to the choir here. Uh, the fact that you're involved in your youth group, come to an event like this has already set you apart as one who is committed and dedicated in your spiritual journey. But it's so huge to stay spiritually fit. The devil will know the weakness in your armor. He'll find that chink, whether it is separated from your, your peer support or from your own congregation, your family. When he gets you alone or isolated or in some kind of extremity, he's going to attack and attack and attack. So you have to stay spiritually disciplined and spiritually fit with dedicated prayer life, devotions, spiritual PT, Every day, you have to do it. And despite what everybody says, that is one thing you can have with you at boot camp is your Bible and your spiritual books. And so that's what we do is we send that to. We send about 20,000 of our fellow LCMS uh, members of the military who aren't chaplains to provide them with uh, portals of prayer, newsletters, things to keep them connected to the church, keep them uplifting, because it's, it's challenging. You're going to be alone and unafraid and feel like you're the only one left. You might even feel like Elijah and just say, okay, God, take me. I give up, right? 
everybody else is bowed and need to, need to bail but me. And then God re- reminds you that, hey, you're not alone. There's several others, thousands of others who haven't bowed to Baal. So that's just kind of a thing to thrive as you go through boot camp. So don't ever forget that is your constitutional right, which you are willing to defend, you know, the First Amendment to free exercise of religion, which means you can practice your faith. You can live out your faith. And so don't let anybody take that away or tell you you can't. You need to do that. And what kind of stole a little selfish thing here is to sign up for, with us for Ministry by Mail. Steve and I have connections with all of our chaplains. We have Chaplain Goreline. We have like 10 other chaplains that are here with their youth groups who are reserve chaplains. So you email us, contact us. You're going through a crisis. You need to talk to a chaplain. You know, grandma dies, grandpa, something that bad happened. We can connect you with a chaplain. You don't feel like you're alone and unafraid. Just come and uh, contact with us and we'll keep in touch with you. And stay in touch with your family. They love you and miss you. And of course, and your pastor. You're not alone. There are many Christian brothers and sisters serving with you. And don't be shy. We talked about this several times, but I got to drill this home because Steve and I, when I go visit my chaplains, I still visit my chaplain. I'll meet with the commanding officer. I'll meet with the senior chaplain just, just to see how things are going. Inevitably, I ask them if they're doing a Lutheran service and they'll say, well, uh, we don't have any. It's like, well, I know there's Lutherans here. They just haven't identified. And so they're, they're just being shy. And so take advantage of your opportunity. You're not going to be, oh, look, you're, you're asking for something special. I, you know, my Catholic brothers and sisters, I envy them. You take a, my Catholic Marines were not shy about saying I needed to see a priest. I want to go to confession or whatever. So we as Lutherans have to do the same thing. Hey, I want to talk to my, a Lutheran pastor, a Lutheran chaplain to keep me grounded, you know, as I'm going through a difficult situation. It's not an added burden. That's their job. As a chaplain, my job is to facilitate for all faiths, to make sure that they get what they need to, for their constitutional right. I don't provide that because I'm a Lutheran Christian, obviously, so I only do my uh, theology as a Christian, but I facilitate for others. Um, and then Worship Anew is a new website that we've kind of partnered with that you can actually get a Lutheran service that you can, on, uh, and they're actually on AFN, Armed Forces Network. So if you're stationed in Japan, Spain, on a ship, wherever you are, there's the Armed Forces Network. You'll get tired of the commercials because they make their own and they're not very well done, right? But uh, <laughs> it's, they're pretty hard to watch. But we have them. It's a Missouri Senate uh, divine service that's on TV that they could do. We can't advertise. Steve's done some blurps for them and I'm going to do some, <coughs> excuse me, that we can do to introduce it. We just obviously can't ask for money and we're not asking for money. We're trying to provide a resource. And then the Lutheran Hour is on the Armed Forces Network radio, I believe, still too. Um, so there are. And of course now with home churches and podcasts and streaming, there's no reason you can't keep connected with your own church. You know, have your congregation send the podcasts or the sermons. The key is, again, the devil's going to do what he can to get you separated from your church, from your congregation, your brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's such a unique uh, challenge because it's the same thing as the battle buddy system. You, They do not want you to go anywhere without overwatch or someone protecting your six, whether it's a sniper at the high ground or whether it's a whole bunch of other people protecting each other. It's the same thing in our Christian faith. If we don't have those looking out for us, giving us prayer cover, watching us, encouraging us, it's easy to fall away and the devil knows that. And so I think I I kind of beat that horse with the dead. Then these are just some of the 
you're not alone. Those are our, our latest numbers. I think Steve pulled those. Those are pretty accurate of where we stand now. And then on the left column is just you know, hundreds of different jobs, as you all know. Uh, some of you, if we took a poll here, I'm sure probably nobody here is doing the same thing that they signed up for. The recruiters will try to get you what they need, obviously. And so hopefully they gave you what you need. If your recruiter lied to you, you can see Steve or me afterwards and we'll... We'll work with it. We have them. And, the, yeah, it's it's a tough job. We do talk about that as the military. One of the things that is frustrating is um, we talk about honor and courage, and then they'll tell you, well, the truth changes. And it's true. I, did, I thought that was just a joke, but it does change. You know, someone gets hurt, someone gets killed, they need someone to fill the gap, right? So all of a sudden you were going to go here, now you got to go there because that's what we need for the mission. So it does change, and so we are, are flexible. Again, it's others before self. And so it is difficult to be in the military. It's your faith can make all the difference. Your church and family stand behind you and with you. And then here's a, a shameless plug. For those of you, since you're all so young, who do your four years, six years, eight years, whatever you sign up for, Think about going to the seminary afterwards and coming back as a chaplain. If not us, then who? We really need to send chaplains to serve in the military to provide so that you, uh, yourselves, that are signing up. For those of you who are parents, have sons and daughters, that we need pastors who are chaplains to take care of our, our people who are a uh, person. I want to show this real video, and then I will leave it open for questions. We have time for that. So this, hopefully this will all work. Thank you. I have the best job in the whole Navy. People are constantly worried about getting the equipment fixed, making sure the ships can sail and the aircraft can fly, and my whole job is dedicated to taking care of the well-being of people, the, uh, the families and the service members, uh, making sure that their, their hearts uh, and their souls and their resolve are strong. It's so important for Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod pastors to be chaplains because who else is going to be amongst the, the members of the armed forces to proclaim God's word, to administer word and sacrament? If, if not us, then who? Chaplains are instrumental to the Army mission. We have to have chaplains. We have people from all walks of life that come from different spiritual backgrounds and when they come into the Army they don't leave their religion and their spiritual life behind. They asked me to take a weapon and potentially go out and take another man's life. And some people have an issue with that. They asked me to go into another country and just start walking all over somebody else's land. A lot of those times you can't seek that counseling that you need or that friend that you need to talk to because he's going to tell you, hey, suck it up. This is our job. But the chaplain's not going to do that. The chaplain's going to comfort you. Not every pastor can be a chaplain. This is a unique ministry. It's a unique calling and a unique gift. Looking forward to a little boat ride. We're going to go out. I had the opportunity to uh, be a mission planter and uh, parish pastor for almost five years before I became active duty uh, Navy chaplain. I love being a parish pastor. I love being a mission planter. 
but I don't know any parish pastor that lives 24-7 uh, with their people. Uh, I don't know any uh, parish pastor that has the opportunity to go out on a, on a boat on a daily basis uh, uh, and serve with those in the uniform. I don't know who uh, a parish pastor that's ever deployed. Enjoyed our adventures. Um, you know, I'm just seeing that you do some hard things, but God provides, and it's really an adventure. It's, it's been very fun. My children are enjoying it. They're enjoying meeting other military families, and um, yes, there are definitely you know hard things that you're asked to do, but God gives you the strength to get through those times, and you're doing it together with your spouse. Church life versus military life. There, there's pros and cons to both, but um, I would say that God has blessings in both things. Um, I'm thankful for the blessings that I've been able to have as a new active duty Navy chaplain spouse. To become a chaplain, uh, at least in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Center first. But you have to have a bachelor's degree, a master's degree of, uh, in divinity, and then you have to serve at least two years full-time in some sort of civilian ministry experience. Having the chaplaincy in the military provides us a moral center, not the legal center that we get so often and hear so much about these days, but they provide more of a, a moral center and a place where we can turn for, is it not just legal, but is it right? But when you talk about Lutherans especially, when you talk about law gospel and our ability not only to say it, but to live it and how we look at people in the eye, break bread with them, cry with them, sit with them, hold their hands, that's what we bring, and that's what the military treasures about us, especially Missouri Senate chaplains. In the Navy, much of what I do is work in the kingdom of the left hand. So I'm taking care of the well-being of sailors, trying to help them and their families remain resilient through crises and trials to make sure that their morale and their moral characters are as healthy and robust as they can be. I get to speak word and sacrament ministry in a situation, in a setting, where very few people have ever heard this before. And it's opportunity to see God's word at work in practical, immediate means and days. It is a fantastic thing, and I would be heartbroken if I was not able to do that on a regular basis. There are a lot of things, mental, physical, spiritual, that can only really be done by chaplains in a confidential environment. A person is going through an emotional crisis, a family crisis, a crisis of conscience. Only the chaplain can really help that person deal with that and bring them back as a full-up member of the command and get them ready for deployment. We really do wear two hats. We are Lutheran pastors that just happen to serve in the military, but we're also officers in the United States Air Force. We are there with our people, and no matter where they are. Uh, we, it's incarnational. We make our dwelling amongst them. They're sleeping in tents, we're in tents right beside them. When they're eating 
MREs, we're eating MREs right there with them. I am their chaplain and they are my people and, and I love them and they know that I love them. In terms of care, just recently I had the opportunity to do a funeral at Arlington. And it was for a Lutheran Church Missouri Synod member who had served in the Navy and died on active duty. The family and him requested a Lutheran Church Missouri Synod chaplain to come and, and to do the, the funeral service. To be in Afghanistan at Easter uh, proclaiming He is risen. Christ is risen even here in Afghanistan. And it was, it was one of the most amazing, um, most fulfilling moments of, of my pastoral life. give it out so you can all uh... well hopefully I know that was more from a chaplain's perspective but I wanted to include it because it does have some of the non-chaplains who were interviewed who talked about the importance of their chaplain being with them that the confidentiality was one highlight that I want to emphasize to you who are, are going into the military to help you with your th thriving and surviving is your chaplain is 100% confidential Anything you say to your chaplain stays with the chaplain. All service branches have, have signed off on that same policy. So if there's ever a doubt that you need whatever's going on in your spiritual, physical, emotional life, and you don't want your buddies to know, you don't want your you know, battalion to know, your, your drill instructor, you can always go see the chaplain and it'll be confidential. And again, that's where, even though if your chaplain is not Missouri Senate Lutheran, they are still confidential and they will do what they can to get you connected if you need a, a Lutheran pastor or chaplain. So that's one of the, the important things on that. But as there is help there, we are here, we're praying for you, we are appreciative of you signing up and, and serving our nation in the capacity that you are, whatever service branch it is. And uh, take away from here that it is a good and honorable vocation that God has given you and uh, it's, uh, it's good. And it'll be tough and we want to talk about it. And we don't want to, you know, there'll be a lot of, for the Navy, we call them sea stories or war stories or, or whatever. Everybody has their own little uh, things that have happened to them while they serve, just like any other life story. But the bottom line is, I think that when you see the camaraderie and to, to be yoked with other Christians who are in your unit, to stay connected to your church back home, will hopefully uh, enjoy, that you'll enjoy your opportunity to serve, whether you make it a career or whether you get out in three or four years after your contract's over and do something else. But the bottom line is, is that your church is behind you. We understand it. And uh, we're here to help protect your free exercise of religion. And so being in a pluralistic environment can be challenging. But uh, you guys have grown up with it, right? You, you know what that's like. So you just stay true. As we're hearing throughout this uh, week with the theme, right? Be present. God's present with you wherever you are, right? And he is, of course, God through all. So.